0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. Welcome to Bethesda Church once again. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell him you look dapper today. Come on, it's the wrong neighbor. Find somebody else. Tell them they're looking dapper today. It's good to see you on a cold, cold day. Um, Excited that you're here. We've uh, been in the middle of a series, if this is um, your first week here, called Taming the Tongue, and we've been dealing with some heavy topics such as criticism, gossip, and then Pastor Josh knocked it out of the park last week talking about complaining. Can you guys let our executive pastor know how much you appreciate him today? (laughs) I hope that this week you uh, moved your seat and uh, changed your perspective as it relates to complaining. We've learned in this series, we're going to close it out today, we've learned in in this series that our words frame our world. That my tongue literally determines the direction of my life. Uh, And and so that's a pretty heavy thing when you consider how powerful uh, our words are. That we can speak life and we can speak death. And I just want to say right up front, we want Bethesda Church to be a grace-giving, life-giving church. Amen? Do, do, how many want to give life and grace to people, right? That's what we want to do. That's why we're here. Um, and, and so we want to use our words to build others up, not tear them down. And so today we're going to close this series out, though, with dealing with a pretty heavy topic, kind of sensitive um, at least I found that out at the 830 service. I told him that, uh, it must've been for you guys, not the 830 service. And I'll go ahead and tell you, it's probably not for you. It's probably for the 1130 service. Uh, but we're going to deal with the topic of lying today. All right. Um, line, who knew that you would have to talk about lying in church, but as you're about to find out people struggle with lying. I'm going to start with a question. How many of you have ever, and I need I need like audience participation, hands raised will work. Um, how many of you have ever told a lie? If you see anyone with their hand down, they just lied. All right. Let's just go ahead and break the ice. They just lied. Not on a on a, on a serious note, check this out. Um I'm going to ask another question before I give you a couple stats here. How many of you would say you've told a lie in the last 24 hours? A few honest people in in the house. Now, you see, not a lot of hands are going up, but odds say that most of us in the last 24 hours have told a lie. The odds would say that. Because the truth is, is that the average person lies four times each day. Say, we're in the right church. We're in the right place. The average person, roughly four lies a day. Um, And that's interesting because another part of that, a well-known university did a study, and they found that 60% of us, when we meet a new person... We cannot have a 10-minute conversation without telling at least one lie. You know what that really means today? It means that this sermon will only be nine minutes long so that I'm not tempted to tell you guys a lie. (laughs) Are you guys in this place or just nervous? Nervous. All right. Um, One of the first things that we learn how to do is lie. You don't have to teach a child how to lie. We've all seen the kid who ate the cookie, got the crumbs all over their face, and you ask them, did you eat the cookie? And they'll say no. Mom and dad didn't teach them that. We come into the world learning very early on how to lie, and we lie for a lot of different reasons. Um, we lie about our age. Women just look straight forward. I know you're not a day over 27, okay? Okay. Uh, we lie about things to get out of trouble. We, sometimes we lie to cover a previous lie. We lie about things to avoid confrontation with people. There's a lot of reasons as to why people lie. And as we found out earlier, we've all lied. Now, the question we got to ask is, how does God feel about lying? Well, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says it like this. The Lord detests lying lips. But he delights in those who tell the truth. That word detest in Hebrew literally means something that makes one nauseous. So we we could say it like this. When we lie, we make God sick. That's how God feels about lying. And I I believe there's a lot of reasons for that. But we'll we'll slow down and we'll start with Ephesians chapter number 4 with the Apostle Paul. Here's what he said about it. He said, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. So, so in these four or five verses, Paul starts the discourse by saying, since you've heard about Jesus. Anybody heard about Jesus in this room? Since you've heard about Jesus, I love how he starts. Since you've heard about him, since you know him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put off the old nature. Now, how many of you understand that putting off the old nature is, is an intentional decision that you have to make every single day. That's a decision you got to make up every day, uh, make up in your mind every day. When you get up, I'm putting off the old, the old nature, the old Chad. i got to put that off and put on Christ. So he says, since you know Jesus, put off the old. And then he says, allow the Holy Spirit to come in and renew your thoughts and your attitudes. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit can do in a person's life when we invite the Holy Spirit into those areas of our life. I think some of us, we want the Holy Spirit to do a work in certain parts of our life, but we don't want him to do a work in other parts of our life. We, like, there's parts of our life, like, that's closed book. You can't touch this. We don't want you near that, Holy Spirit. But you, you can have all this, but not this. I of mean, it don't work like that. We need to be inviting the Holy Spirit into every part of our life. And he said he will renew our thoughts and attitudes. And then he says put on the new nature. And he sums it up by saying stop it. I love that. Stop telling lies. I want you to touch your neighbor and just tell them stop telling lies. Now, some of y'all just got offended. I'm not a liar, right? We have to stop telling lies. That's a decision that we make. Um, So if we've heard about Jesus and we know Jesus, we put off the old, we invite the Holy Spirit in, he renews our thoughts and attitudes, we put on the new nature and we stop telling lies. I've heard it said like this, that you are never more like the devil than when you lie. Now, I could do, you're never more like the devil. Hey, I'm not going to preach it like that. But you're never more like the devil than when you lie. Because here's what John chapter 8 says. I want you to get this. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Just like you and I speak English, the devil speaks lies. We're never more like the devil than when we lie. That's how he communicates. It's how he speaks. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why God hates lying so much. His spiritual enemy, our enemy, our adversary is a liar. He wants to deceive us through lies. And when we lie, we are speaking his language. His language. So the devil's plan is to pull you and I away from truth into deception. How many of you understand that's the devil's plan? He wants to pull us away from truth into deception. But what you have to understand is truth is not just a concept, truth is a person. His name's Jesus. So when we lie, we are creating space between us and truth, us and Jesus. And I believe that the enemy has a threefold plan as it relates to lying, all right? Y'all ready for this? Number one, he wants to get you to lie. That's like the first thing, get you to lie. That, that's in its simplest form, the devil wants all of us to lie. And a lot of us, what we don't understand about lying is that we have created categories for lies. You know, if it's a white lie, it's not a lie. It's a half-truth. You know, if there's a little truth in there, it's, I'm good, right? And and lies can be point-blank lies, but how many know that you can lie by simply exaggerating the truth, by taking a story too far, by lying about Where you were, don't elbow anybody. It could be making up something about somebody that you don't like, even though there's a half-truth in there, but you don't really like that person, so you go ahead and make up a little more, tell it, spread that, and in that you are speaking the devil's native language. Look at what God said through his prophet Jeremiah. And I want you to get this up front. He's not talking to people outside of a relationship with God. He's talking to people in a relationship with God. This is God's people. And here's what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 9, starting in verse 3. My people bend their tongues like bows to shoot out lies. They refuse to stand up for the truth. They only go from bad to worse. They do not know me, says the Lord. Beware of your neighbor. Don't even trust your brother. For brother takes advantage of brother and friend slanders friend. They all fool and defraud each other. No one tells the truth. With practiced tongues, they tell lies. They wear themselves out with all their sinning. They pile lie upon lie and utterly refuse to acknowledge me says the Lord. Now when I read that it's like wow, and the reason it's a big wow is because God's not talking to people outside of a relationship with him. He's talking to people in relationship with him. He's talking to his people about his people how they spread lies, how they slander one another, how they can't be trusted, that they pile lie upon lie and they utterly refuse to acknowledge God. And it's it's so it's so um Weird that that's, he's talking about his own people. You know what that tells me? That means that we have to deal with the subject of lying in the church. Some of you are like, no, nah, just, pastor, just get this one done. We're ready for next week, right? We, we need something that We don't want to deal with this. Now, that whole the average person lies roughly four times a day. Here's how they got to the average. The average woman lies... Look at all the men. They just set up. (laughs) The average woman lies three times a day. You you said, well, Pastor, the average was like four, right? (laughs) Well, we men have a way of helping the average out. (laughs) The average woman lies three times a day. The average man lies six times a day. Some men saying, I ain't coming back. But I've learned about men. We lie so much because one, we're trying to impress a woman. Or two, we're exaggerating one of our fishing stories. You know, I caught one that was seven foot long, Pastor. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Are y'all in this place? All right, just making sure you're still here. So the enemy wants us to lie. Secondly, and this, this is a big step here. He wants to get you to lie to yourself. This is where the real, we we only want to focus on I told somebody a lie. That's not even the worst of lies. That's bad. I get it. But the problem really begins in a person's life when they lie to themselves. They're lying to themselves because it's going to lead to something we'll talk about in a few moments. This is when a person starts rationalizing their own lies, trying to make sense of their own lies. They even double down on their lies. Um, Sometimes people who are living a lie or lying to themselves, they create a narrative that is false, but they create it and invite people to come participate in something that's not true because they start lying to themselves. Have you ever met somebody you knew they were lying, but they believed their lie? It's like, how can you help that person? You can't help that person. Like when they get to the point of believing their own lie, it becomes very difficult to get through to them. Um, And so it's not just that he wants us to lie in general. The devil wants us to do that. But he wants us to lie to ourselves. And there's a great, great story in the Old Testament about this. Uh, King David, everybody's familiar, familiar with King David. Great king, great warrior, worshiper of God. The scripture says about David that he was a man after God's own heart. But he was also a liar. If you guys will remember the story, that he didn't go out to battle one day like he should have, and he stayed back. And the Scripture says that a woman taking a bath caught his attention, so much so that he had his servant go get the girl and bring the girl to him. So he committed adultery with this girl and thought, you know, that's the end of it. But the story takes another step because she got pregnant. And now, not only has he committed adultery, David's got to cover up what he's done. And so he has to tell lie after lie after lie to cover up what he's done, and eventually it all ends in murder. He kills the woman's husband, puts the, puts the guy on the front line of battle so that he will die first. And so he, he has this affair, and now he's caught up in this web of lies. And Nathan, the prophet, comes to David and says, I need to tell you a story. And David said, all right, I'm listening. And Nathan tells this story. He says, there was a rich man who had all kinds of wealth, all kinds of herds, all kinds of animals, everything at his disposal. He had all this wealth. But there was also a poor guy who had very, very little and only one animal, one little lamb that had become the family pet. They loved this animal. But there was a guy who came through town to the rich man's house and he was hungry. And the rich man did not kill one of his own lambs even though he had herds and flocks and animals. He went and took the one lamb from the poor man and killed that family pet and fed it to this hungry man. And and, and he tells this story to David and David, as he's hearing it, he's becoming Furious, the the scripture said. He's getting mad, like, this cannot be. The rich man deserves death. He must repay what he's done. And Nathan's like, I'm glad you said that, king, because you're the man. You're the one I'm talking about. This isn't for somebody else, David. This is for you. I know you're the king, and you got people running to and fro on your behalf, but you have a heart issue. You got something that needs to be dealt with. The, the word is Ataish, which in Hebrew literally means you are the man. And I believe that as quiet as it is in this building today, I believe it's because the Holy Spirit is moving amongst this congregation saying, Atayish, you the man, you the woman. How I many of we need to stop pointing fingers at others and sometimes take inventory of our own mess? I know if you can't clap, just nod. I get it. So Nathan calls him out. Taish, you're the man. And some of us today, the Holy Spirit is going to shine light on areas, not only where we've spoken to someone else a lie, but maybe where we've been lying to ourselves. Look at what David said after the fact in Psalm 119. He said this, help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I will weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Here's what David said. I love this line. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. Keep me from lying to myself. Not just keep me from lying to you, but keep me from lying to myself. And give me the privilege of knowing. Do you know when the Holy Spirit sheds light on something in your life that's off? I many of that's a good thing, not a bad thing. I think sometimes we look at that as a negative, but that's very much a positive. The enemy wants us to lie. The enemy wants us to lie to ourselves. But ultimately, what he really wants is he wants you to live a lie. He wants you to live a lie. That's the third point. He wants you to live a lie. This is his masterpiece. To claim one thing, but be living something totally different. To project one thing, but your life not back up what you project. And and this is where, and, and, and listen, this is not everybody in this room, but in a room this size, there are people who are professing one thing and living another. It's not everybody, but I'm sure there's somebody that we project something but we're not living it. We we say one thing but our life does not back it up. It could be that you're Mr. Christian in front of everybody but when you go home you battle an addiction that nobody knows about. It could be for you that you have the perfect life on Instagram. You know, you post your new shoes, your new purse, your vacation, all this stuff. But nobody knows every night you cry yourself to sleep. We project one thing and we live something else. And, and, and the devil wants us to lie. He wants us to lie to ourselves. And ultimately, he would love for you to live out a lie. To get stuck in a cycle where you're where, where you not experiencing true life change in your heart. And, and i got to be honest with you right here. That's probably one of the biggest fears I have as a pastor. Is that I could preach to people Jesus and think they're okay and never know that they're not okay. That they could say, I love Jesus, but behind the scenes they're, they, ha- they struggle with suicidal thoughts or depression or got this whole other world that nobody knows about. All because they started lying to themselves. Look at what John said in 1 John 2 and 4. He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. See, I think sometimes we want to say the right thing and not do the right thing. You know what 1 you know John is saying here? That if there's no spiritual fruit in our lives, we can say we love God and we love Jesus all day long, but if there is not fruit, we're liars. We have to have some fruit in our life. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, right? Long-suffering, kindness. There should be some things there that show. And and, and part of Being a follower of Jesus is not just saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. Part of being a follower of Jesus is taking steps of obedience. Look how quiet it is in here. Nobody's shouting over this. You know why? Because I think we could all take some more steps of obedience. There are areas of our life where we could take another step of obedience. Not just saying something, but we are doing something. And there's so many people that are claiming one thing and they're doing another thing. The book of James, I love the book of, if you want a practical read for your life, read the book of James because James says, do you have faith? He doesn't say, tell me. James says, show me that if you really have faith, you should have works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. But once we receive grace, it should lead to works it should lead to obedience. There should be some fruit in our lives. See, if there's no spiritual fruit, what's happening is is we are deceiving ourselves. And deception is so difficult because when you're deceived, you can't see it. You can't see it. That's what it means to be deceived. You can't see that it's going on. And that's the enemy's ultimate goal. He wants you to lie. He wants you to lie to yourself. And ultimately, he wants you to live a lie. So difficult. When, when, when the rubber meets the road, we have to have something in our life that backs up what we're saying. That it's not just words, but it's really steps of obedience. Some of us, we lie to protect the feelings of others. And that's usually like what we would classify. That's a white lie. You know, I'm lying to protect you. Some of us are a little more self-centered. If you're like me, if I'm going to lie, I'm going to lie to protect me, not you. I'm sorry, the 830 was the holy crowd. This is... Come on, am I preaching all right? Or is this like, wait, some of y'all are like... we lie for different reasons we protect people protect ourselves sometimes the reason we're lying is because we're trying to cover up previous lies and so it continues to build and add and, and there's no way out and and i think what we have to get to is not just lying and lying we have to ask why are we lying what is the root of our lying I'm so glad that you really want to know that because The root reason most of us lie is because we don't completely trust God. I'm going to say it another way. We think our lie is better than God's truth. We don't really trust God. We believe that our lie will work better and is better than God's truth. We say, well, I have to tell this lie because it'll, it'll keep me safe not knowing that another lie is creating more bondage in your life. We say, I've got a lie because if, if, if I don't, then I'm going to have this confrontation with so-and-so. And I really don't like confrontation, so I would just rather tell a lie than, than to have any kind of confrontation in my life not knowing that some of the best relationships happen after confrontation. Because they become all thin. Because if you're lying to keep from confrontation, what you are doing is you are now building relationships that that will be built on, on lies and not on truth. And how many know that's not a real relationship? If you have to lie to be in a relationship, what kind of relationship is it? I'm preaching real good right here. You say, I I gotta lie, I gotta gotta go around this way and around that. That's not a real relationship, baby. Let me help you. If you can't be honest with them, that that relationship is fake. I'm really trying, I really am. What kind of relationship is it? See, at the root, we tend to believe that our lies will work better than God's truth's. And and the devil, he is the father of lies. His native language is lies. When I speak lies, I'm speaking his language. Jesus said in John 8, 32, that we will know the truth and the truth is what sets us free. I'm gonna say it real simple so we can grab this. Lies bring bondage. Truth brings freedom. (laughs) Lies bring bondage. Truth brings freedom, but the enemy will work overtime to keep you locked in a lie, to keep you living a lie, to to drag you further and further away from truth. See, the plan's really simple to get past it. There is freedom available. There's healing available, but a lot of times we won't do the two things necessary to experience freedom and healing. And it's real simple, and we talked about it before. But here's how we do it. we First of all, we have to confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to people for healing. Now this is tough, because we, we all like the first part. I'm cool with taking my stuff to God, but I don't want to tell anybody my stuff. I told the 8.30 service I was going to pass the microphone around and let everybody tell their dirt. And if it's not real good, I'm going to make you tell something else. We're going to find something real good. Obviously, that's not what I'm talking about. We do confess to God for forgiveness, but we have to confess to people for healing. And, and it's, it's so interesting how it works, because 1 John 1.9 tells us if we confess our sins to God that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. So when I confess to God, whatever it is, when I confess to him, he cleanses me. And he's faithful to do that. Anybody thankful that God is faithful to forgive you of your sins, your shortcomings, your weaknesses? Like, I'm I'm extremely thankful for that. But we confess to God And I want you to get this, not for His sake. We confess to God for our sake. God already knows you messed up. You're not informing Him. We're confessing and letting Him know that we need His forgiveness. But that's only part of of the transforming power that's available. And a lot of us, we stop right there. We, we confess to God, and we leave it there. But there is another step that's connected to healing. And healing is about confession to other people. And it doesn't mean that I confess my stuff to all y'all. I don't tell y'all all my stuff. I don't have to tell you all my stuff. But I do have people in my life that I tell everything to. My struggles, where I fall short, why? Because I need not only forgiveness, I need healing. I need freedom. And you can't do that without other people. So we get forgiveness from God, but part of the reason we encourage small groups at Bethesda is because we're hopeful that you will finally get to somebody in your world that you can say, hey, everything's not good with me. As a matter of fact, here's my laundry list of junk that I've been dealing with. Have you ever noticed that when you get down to being real with people and you really share a struggle, have you ever noticed how emotional it becomes? you ever met somebody for coffee and you thought you were having coffee, but what you were really about to get was their tears becoming your creamer in your coffee? Because they start telling where they're struggling, where they've fallen short, and it's so emotional. A lot of times there's tears involved. They cry about it. And and the reason for that, the reason it's emotional is because there's healing on the other side. God has connected our freedom through Him, all right, confess to Him for forgiveness, But if you really want healing and freedom, you're going to have to confess to some people. You're going to have to have somebody in your life that you can talk to. And so the devil works overtime to keep us out of relationships that we need. Sometimes the relationships we don't want are the ones we need. Y'all not going to believe this, but being a pastor, sometimes I thought I was the only one who ever ran from people. I, I'm trying to be honest. Yeah, I've ran from people before. When you've heard their story 74 times, and you've prayed all 74 times, and you've done it, how many know? You get to a point like, I just need to run. Somebody else needs to give this a whack. Some of y'all are like, I can't handle this message. But I've watched people, like I've seen them out of the corner of my eye run from me. And I think part of the reason they run from me is because they're struggling. I'm like, why would you run from me if you're struggling? I mean, if you're really hurt, why, why would you run from me? Well, I mean, we need a community that if you're struggling, this is the one place you can run to. Like, this is the one family that's not... Yeah. God help me to preach this. We confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to people for healing. The reason why it becomes emotional when we share our struggles is because God has connected healing to it. He's connected freedom to it. And we all need that. There are times we all need to be able, you know, we call it venting. Or it's not, you know what I'm saying? You're venting or dumping, whatever you want to call it, you just you're letting it out with someone, and it's not just so that you can cry together. You need to do that with someone who loves you, but can speak truth to you and pray for you and help walk you through it. And listen, if you've if you've always been the person that never needed anybody ever, I promise you, life will bring you to a place where eventually you will need somebody in your life. I promise you, if it hasn't happened yet, it will happen that you will need somebody in your corner. Somebody to pray with you, to stand with you, to speak God's Word. Have you ever been in a place when you couldn't speak God's Word over yourself? <laughs> you needed somebody to speak it over you. You're going to need that at some point. I think sometimes we, we try to cover our weaknesses We try to hide our struggles, and what it does is it creates more bondage. The enemy wants us to live like that, to stay in a place where we not only lie to ourselves, but possibly even live a lie. I was on an airplane this week, and the Holy Spirit gave me this line. I'm just going to read it to you the way he gave it to me. Since the Garden of Eden, man has been trying to hide his sin, to cover his own guilt, and to carry his own condemnation. But what started in a garden with a tree was settled on a hill and a tree. The cross changed the game. Before the cross, I needed to cover myself. I needed to hide I needed to make sure everybody thought I was strong. But after the cross, you know what Jesus is saying to us? I got you covered. Anybody thankful for a cross today? Come on, let's give God praise as the worship team comes back. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. There are some of us right now who are, you're carrying a lie today. And your lie has become heavy. It's become heavy. We all know what it's like to carry a lie or a secret that we needed help with. So don't act holy. you've been there. And you know the fear that comes with it, how the, I many there's just a weight to that, a weight that you carry. I want to ask, what would it be like if you could wake up and not have to live any kind of lie? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You got Jesus and you, you know what I'm saying? You're free. You have a peace of mind. There's not a weight on your life. But some people wake up every day carrying the weight of a lie that they live. But there's freedom in the house today. Jesus came specifically to set the captive free. That's what he came to do. He wants to set us free. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, no one looking around for the next few moments. As you do that, I just want to remind you that lies bring bondage, truth brings freedom. If you're in this place and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, you're not right with God, this is your opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. To say, "You know what? I'm not going to live like I'm not going to live in bondage. I want the truth. I want Jesus. I want to live in freedom." If that's you today, would you throw your hand up right there where you are and say, "That's me." Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Thanks for this hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Say, "That's me." I need Jesus today. Anyone else before we pray? Wants to pray with these two individuals that have raised their hand, every voice lifted. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a savior. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. To come into my heart. I repent of my sins. I turn to you. Thank you for saving me and changing me in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on, celebrate those two hands that went up. Give God praise for that. It's awesome. That's if you prayed that prayer today, we'd love to connect with you. If you could fill out a connect card, just let us know you made a decision for Jesus Christ. You can find those in the seat back in front of you. We would love to help you take your next step. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to come get in place. But I want us to do something with this last song, this last worship song today. If you need prayer, we're here to pray for you and with you. We want to do that. But I also want this to be a time when the Holy Spirit can shine light maybe on an area of your heart that needs to change. Because you can be a Christian and still need some things dealt with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can love God and and still struggle. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy that you can love Jesus and struggle. It, it's possible. I grew up in a church. Some of y'all are going to know what I'm talking about. I grew up in a church where if you love God, you never struggle. Now, how many know that can warp a person's mind? Because I thought, I am destined for hell. That's my place. You know why? Because I love God and still struggle. And I never could, like, understand it, merge it. But you can love God and struggle. But you have a family of people that want to pray for you, be here for you. And the Holy Spirit, how many of the Holy Spirit, if we'll invite Him in those parts of our world, He can do an amazing work in these next few moments. He can do it in your life. Thank you so much for being patient and not throwing anything at me as I preached online today. Can we give Jesus the best praise we have all day? Come on, church, give him a praise. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, bethesdachurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.